Hi everyone, welcome to Hit the Apex Podcast. It's Stuart here as always, and thank you for joining me. We're back after the mid-season break for F1, the Dutch Grand Prix. What a race it was. Some saying race of the season, potentially. Um, while the outcome didn't change with Max Verstappen, Supermax, whatever you want to say, the Max Express, because that's apparently what the train from Amsterdam for the fans to uh, the track was called over the weekend. Um, the Max Express, whatever you want to call him, did his thing, won the race, but it kind of doesn't tell the tale of the race. It was chaotic with the changing conditions. It went from dry to wet to dry to then absolute pouring down at the end of it. Um, but yeah, we'll talk more about that soon. Also looking ahead to the Italian Grand Prix as well, kind of the last European round of the season before we do the flyaways. Um, coming back to this side of the world with Singapore and Japan um, and then heading over to the Americas as well and some supercars talking points as well uh, from the Bent Super Sprint a couple of weeks ago and kind of looking ahead to the season of endurance which starts in September with the Sandown 500 so looking forward to that and all the silly season stuff as well of course so hope everyone's doing well um and, you know, enjoyed the race. It was definitely a, a tricky one at the end because, you know, Hera was thinking, oh, we're on we're, we're on course for it finishing on time and everything. And then there was a 40-minute stoppage with the red flag. So what could have been a 1, 1 a.m. Uh, finish for fans on this side of the world uh, on the Australian Eastern Seaboard uh, turned out to be two am or you know after that so you know rip to your sleep and your mondays if you had to go and work like i did um but yes ninth straight win ninth straight win for max uh this season he's equaled the record set by sebastian vettel back in 2013 and you know vettel <laughs> ran out of races in 2013 to win uh yet there's still eight to go or nine to go this year and Max doesn't look like he's gonna run out like I think you know the narrative and many people are getting behind the fact that um they almost they want to see him go on and win every race this season now or the remainder of races and to for Red Bull to do that too and have that record be the first one in the history 60 year history of F1 to go unbeaten through a season and I am fully behind that too that would be great and then you know 20 years 30 years from now looking back we can be like 2023 was a season where you know it was one team and pretty much one driver that were perfect the whole time but you know looking ahead to Monza of course Max is on course for setting the record setting a new record with for most consecutive wins in a single season and you know going one better than Vettel did in 2013 will just be quite extraordinary and poetic too given that Vettel was kind of the last uh or the first um golden you know wunderkind for for Red Bull and Max is kind of you know carrying on that legacy but if not you know bettering it just the way his his form's been this season and you know not to mention as well that it's his third straight win um at Sandvoort as well so since the Grand Prix he returned 
2021, Max has been unbeaten. So, you know, I don't see that changing anytime soon. Well, next year, potentially, we'll see. Um, like I said earlier, the win from pole position for him didn't quite tell the story of the race. There was a lot going on. At one point, we thought Sergio Perez could win. One point, Fernando Alonso looked like he was in contention, but Alonso, um, a solid race for Aston Martin. They needed it back on the podium, first time since Canada earlier in the season. And, you know, this chap's got seven podiums this season, you know, and while there was a bit of a slump for Aston kind of in the, in the you know, middle you know, the second quarter of the season. Um, I still think very track-specific, you know, Zandvoort, not a very high-speed track in terms of, you know, long straights and, and, and power. Uh, so more sort of suited to that Aston. I think Monza might be more of a struggle next uh, weekend or this weekend coming. But, you know, good on them for showing that they're still very much in that fight for top four in the Constructors' Championship. And... Pierre Gasly on the podium, actually on the podium, not like um, the sprint race in Belgium where they don't record that as a podium, but I think that will be a big shot in the arm to Alpine as well and good on him for doing a good job and keeping things, uh, you know, keeping out of trouble on a weekend where, you know, on, on paper and if it was a straightforward race, you had faster cars that didn't end up near the top four top five so yeah you know Gasly solid result both Alpines drive both Alpine drivers have had podiums this season now so and I know it's kind of uh different to hear me say this after you know being so critical of them in in the last two months in particularly you know in in Belgium when they had the massive news about uh, Otmar Safnauer and Alan Permain being moved on and Laurent Rossi in weeks before that but I think anything like this just you know is is shot in the arm to a team that really needs it at the moment and really needs to get their act together long term so yeah uh wet dry quality as well so you know it feels like most races this season uh have been affected by wet weather at some stage and again qualifying was no different started off wet moved into the dry and we had Norris Lando Norris on provisional pole and looking pretty good you got to say until Max comes and sets of lap time 0.537 quicker (laughs) just pull casually pulls half a second out and you know that isn't entirely car performance either it was also due to track evolution as the track was still drying up and you know more and grip more and more grip was coming so max just timed that run perfectly um but still another solid result for mclaren and qualifying it was just a shame that it couldn't translate over to the race which we'll talk about as well a bit later um but an interesting mixed grid you know alex Albon fourth quickest you know his best result in qualifying in a Williams I think maybe his best ever result in qualifying full stop I heard someone say and I was like that can't be right even when he was at Red Bull but you know it's it probably is so you know him doing excellent things things in the Williams he had Logan Sargent with his first ever Q3 appearance as well first ever Q3 appearance or you know top 10 grid position for an American driver as well apparently in in a long long time so good on him but then he ended up crashing in Q3 causing a red flag uh and so did Charles Leclerc he that's why he was down in ninth as well so not really fulfilling the potential of the Ferrari there but 
you know, your usual suspects, your Oscar Piastri up there in eighth, Fernando Alonso fifth fastest, Carlos Sainz sixth, and Sergio Perez, you know, I mean, credit to him for getting into Q3 this time, but, you know, to be seventh and that far adrift of his teammate Max in, you know, that Red Bull car, like I know the the rest of the, you know, the likes of McLaren and, and Alonso were a lot more competitive, George Russell as well up there in qualifying third quickest, but, you know, Perez has just got to be, do something to be up there, be a bit quicker, so, you know, don't know how they're going to fix that, but that's another story and debate for another time. We had rain hit on the opening lap. Max was leading. Um, Fernando Alonso made an awesome double overtake as well into turn three on both Albon and Russell. And yeah, from fifth, he shot up to third and was pressuring Norris straight away. Um, Perez was the first to pit on the second lap. Perez was the first to pit on the second lap. Um, and basically, if you didn't pit on lap two or three, your race was kind of done, really. And this is where it kind of um, came undone for the likes of Norris, who came in on lap four. Uh, not so bad for Lewis Hamilton, who came in on that lap as well. But for Russell to, you know, be in the top five and then to wait till lap five to pit... You know, you can understand his frustration with, you know, where that went wrong. Uh, he was on the radio not long after being like, we were forecast for a podium and now we're, you know, last or something like that. And it was a miserable race for George anyway. Um, but yeah, you know, it's it's those sort of moments where decisions have to be made um, and you have to get it right because it can undo your whole race. It's not like... You know, with Norris in Belgium, where there was a bit of a comeback, and I know he still finished in the points, but he started on the front row, and you know, it kind of undid the potential for what could have been a podium. So, not good on the McLaren front. And again, I think you know, while the car performance is there, McLaren, you know need to look a bit more into their operational side of things you know they're great when it comes to pit stops they've done some really quick pit stops but just some decision making in terms of strategy and whatnot um need to get better at and piastri as well unfortunately was challenged by the conditions and you know i think you know lack of experience as well um played a hand in in his race but still not bad you know for them to both finish in the points ninth for oscar and and seventh for lando it certainly could have been a lot worse so that's that um and speaking of you know not being prepared leclerc you know already starting out a ninth needing you know to have a good race and his teammate running up up the front there uh made the call when he was in pit entry to get onto the intermediate tyres and the team, you know, I guess, yes, you know, if you make a call from pit entry, it's, you know, not the most, you know, it's it's pretty short notice as far as short notice is concerned for getting your tyres ready. But how's the team not already, you know, kind of standing there with the with the tyres ready to go? Um, they should be ready to, you know, change over to... A, intermediates or wets whatever you want to put on in those conditions um at the drop of the hat so you know that um you know was really 
amateur and silly again from Ferrari and you know Leclerc basically having a miserable race after that he got involved or he got hit um or I don't know you can't say really that he got hit but you know he made contact with Piastri and did damage to his floor and basically floundered around outside the top 10 for quite a lot of the race before they did retire him I mean at one point you know as you know I don't want to take anything away from young Liam Lawson who yes Liam Lawson was on the grid uh this weekend which we'll talk about in a second as much as I don't want to take anything away from his impressive overtake the fact that you know Leclerc was in that position with a wounded car um not really doing much says that yeah you know it was a it was a really horrible day for him but at least it wasn't the same for his teammate because Sainz did end up coming home and finishing fifth and I'm so glad as well that he wasn't given the raw deal behind Leclerc because last few races and this has been you know documented or I hope it's been documented um on several instances that is that you know anytime that Sainz has gotten in behind Leclerc he's you know, showing he's got the better pace or he's on a different strategy and he's he's been calling to the team, can you let me through, I'm quicker. Um, Ferrari have not played ball and, you know, I feel like that kind of, I mean, in Canada, it was a different story because it was like, okay, we need to kind of actually get a good result here and our strategy's gone right for once. Let's just um, consolidate what we've got, you know, but... When, you, when you're able to tick that box, you need to make the next step and be like, right, you know, we need to prioritise our fast driver and, you know, for whatever reason, it's been signs in, in recent races, even though Leclerc did finish on the podium in Belgium, uh, but, you know, it hasn't it hasn't been the case. So I've got to say, you know, if you want to pick who was your driver of the day, uh, Ferrari driver of the day, signs definitely was doing quite well and you know, despite the limitations and, you know, the car and team and all the problems, fifth place is a pretty good result for him. So, you know, while you want to say doom and gloom for from Ferrari with uh, with Leclerc, you know, it was okay with signs, but still fifth is not where they want to be really and heading into their home race in Monza, um, definitely not where they want to be at all. So I mentioned young Liam Lawson, uh, Kiwi driver, 21 years old, currently in Super Formula in Japan and, you know, eight points behind the championship leader with, with one round to go. Why was he in the car, you ask? Well, unless you've been living under a rock, uh, you'll all know that Daniel Ricciardo ended up injuring himself in free practice on Friday. So broken metacarpal, um, he had surgery the other day and uh, the team AlphaTauri and Red Bull issued a statement saying that, you know, Lawson will be driving the car, um, you know, until... Ricardo was ready to jump back in, you know, at, at first it was like, oh, maybe he'll be ready uh, after Singapore, you know, some people reckon maybe even as far down the line as Qatar, um, the only problem with going that far down the track is that Lawson, I mean, if I were Lawson, I would want to go and race that final race in Super Formula and that clashes with the Mexican Grand Prix at the end of October so you know it would be a shame if he 
you know, missed, even though it's, you know, super formula junior, junior category, it's still a championship that he can win. And that would be great on his CV. But I was really impressed with the way Lawson conducted himself and he got in, into the team embedded uh, with only a single practice session to go off and then straight into qualifying, a wet-dry qualifying as well. Um, he's going to be so much better for having a full practice program in Monza. Um, but yeah, you know, like it's hard to really show anything in that dogged Alpha Tauri car at the moment. So, you know, the fact that he even was able to make an overtake on, on Leclerc and a wounded Ferrari uh, was quite impressive. He was penalised 10 seconds for impeding Kevin Magnussen in the pit lane earlier in the race. But again, that was not really his fault because the team decided to double stack when they were switching to into tires and then like Ferrari they were unprepared for for Tsunoda so it took a lot longer to service uh, Yuki and then get Liam in so that ended up holding up the Haas car with uh, Lawson's AlphaTauri Park there but overall to finish 13th impressive impressive debut not enough to be like oh let's put him in the car like you know old helmet marco did with nick de Vries after his race um for williams in in monza last year but i think if he does get a few more races certainly while ricardo's injured and we do hope i do hope you know speedy recovery for for ricardo and he comes back and whatnot i really think that um Lawson is definitely a contender for a seat next year at that team and you know arguably because he is a Red Bull junior driver and it's that's what the team is meant to be about and you know without getting my helmet Marco Circa Monza last year um hat out and putting it on you know my ideal lineup for that team next year would be Lawson and and Sonoda because Sonoda has done very little wrong really it's been a challenging season not many people have really got into this I feel um it was a question on a group uh that I mean I think it was Formula Shakedown uh that they put up on Facebook about who's been your underrated driver for the season and you know I thought Long and hard about it, you know, there were some good choices, you know, Alex Albon was there, uh, Zhou Guan Yu as well, but for me, it has to be Yuki Tsunoda, because he's managed to score points on, what, four occasions now, albeit, you know, 10th place finishes, he's been able to, well, three, sorry, three occasions he's been able to score points in that car, and he was looking good at Zandvoort, if it wasn't for um, a myriad of things that went wrong towards the end of the race, which wasn't really of his fault to begin with. So he was looking he was looking solid in the top 10, um, and the team decided not to go for that second slick tyre stop that everyone else was doing, you know, and basically he had no grip. It all fell away from him. He plummeted down the field, likes of Albon, Hamilton, Norris... Uh, Piastri, they all they all just rounded him up and and then cast him aside. He then got penalised five seconds uh, for an incident with George Russell as well, and then having some issue in in the wet conditions too. So you know it really just kind of 
um, spiraled and he ended up being last of the classified runners. So, you know, the result doesn't, like I said, the results don't really tell the tale of the the story of this race. And, you know, Sonoda was another driver who, for my mind, he did a pretty good job overall, but then just in the end, it all, it all fell away. So hoping that we get to see some better races from him. You know, Monza home race for the team, Alpha Tauri. Then he's got his home race in Japan coming up as well, which will be big. So, you know, fingers crossed for him. But I don't think, you know, he warrants getting the flick for next year, you know, he's still very valuable in terms of the um, the assets that he brings from Honda and the fact that, you know, they pay for it and everything. Uh, and yeah, he just needs to be given a chance, you know, and I can sit here and do a whole show about Red Bull and junior drivers and, and the treatment of them for, for, you know, do a whole episode about it because, you know, not everyone's going to be a Max Verstappen or a, a Sebastian Vettel. So, you know, they've got a... They've got to have insurance on, you know, drivers that, despite not being on that extraordinary level, can still be really, really good, you know, and perhaps better than what, you know, they're getting from from Perez at the moment. And that's not saying that Perez is a bad driver, but he's not necessarily a great one. So, yeah, that's that's the tale of Sonoda's race, unfortunately. Um yeah, and, and Lawson as well. That's the Alpha Towers covered covered off. Going back to Russell, he was put onto the hard tire <coughs> after his little uh forecasting comments. And he benefited too from the safety car that came out uh on lap seventeen when Sergeant unfortunately crashed again at turn eight and that um neutralized the race and you know, a number of drivers were able to pit. Uh, then you had Albon go on in he shone in the middle portion of the race. He didn't pit for the intermediate tire, so there was a couple of drivers who didn't come in for the inters in that first downpour on the first lap. And Piastri was another one, and it was just like, my goodness, what are you guys doing? Um, but Albon went 44 laps on the soft tires that he started the race on, and that is mega, mega. You know, everyone's dubbed him the new tire whisperer, the new. Perez, because that was what Perez was doing back in his Force India days and even his Sauber days, if you want to go that, back that far. Um, Albon, yeah, you know, impressive to take those soft tyres through to lap 44, survive the wet conditions in the beginning, um, and yeah, on, on course for points again. But of course, Deluge on lap 61, this was more intense rain that we had at the um, start of the race. Perez first in for Inters, Max and Alonso in on the next one, and pretty much it was like, okay, wet tyres are needed here, and that's another a debate for another time as well, is how useful are the wet tyres currently in F1? Um, but, you know, we didn't really get to find out in this instance because uh, you had Joe go into the barriers on the outside of uh, Tarzan Corner, turn one, um, with a virtual safety car triggered, and then red flag as well, just to, to kind of put the Armco and barrier back in place joe was okay and he got out of the car he was fine but you know perez at that time just before the red flag came out decided to pit for wet tires and ended up losing a bunch of positions it's like uh play play to the you know how did the team not you know kind of foresee that they could have had a red flag and you were going to get a free pit stop anyway so he was lucky that 
um, the, the at the restart after the forty minute stoppage that they reinstated positions, um, you know, to lap or you know the timing intermediate previous to the when the red flag was triggered and at that point Checo was still third in the race so yeah they stopped they all went on to wet tires uh lap 65 uh the race restarted and I think they might have been on inters I can't remember now um all wets but they basically drove behind the safety car for two laps it peeled off rolling restart not really a lot uh changed in those final laps, but it's but you know there was a five second penalty for Perez um, speeding in the pits, and that's basically how Gasly got on the podium as well. Um, and then Russell made minor contact with Lando on the penultimate lap, and ended up DNFing out of the race. It's his third DNF of the season, so not great for <laughs> not great for old George. But um, Hamilton P six, signs P five. Uh, and yeah, Esteban Ocon rounding out the points in tenth, so some decent, uh, decent points there for Alpine. Even though they've still got a ways to go to to catch McLaren, and McLaren definitely with a faster car at the moment. So yeah, that's that's how you had unpack the Dutch Grand Prix. Um, quick mention of Lance Stroll as well. He was just outside the points in eleventh. So again, not really maximising. Um, maximizing the package at a, at a circuit the car was really quick at but I think Alonso as well just really did a um really put in a superhuman effort as he does and you know to be on the podium that is just really good and you know great to see a bit of a resurgence from Aston as well even though I really want McLaren to catch up and get into that fight with a Ferrari and them for the uh third third fourth in the constructors championship fifth as well if you want to say so that wraps up the dutch grand prix quickly looking ahead to monza um all things ferrari in monza you got to say and of course uh they've got a tribute livery again this year it's not um like last year where they had yellow uniforms instead they've got you know a bit of red bit of yellow it looks like four and twenty meat pies, the four and twenty meat pie box. If you're familiar with that, I mean, I've got a shout out to the admin of the um, Oz Grand Prix, Australian Grand Prix, um, social media for for putting that up there because that is gold. That's I'm still laughing today at that joke, and you know you can go on about go on about Ferrari and how they look like they've got McDonald's uniforms at the moment, you know, next they'll probably have KFC and maybe even Subway if they decide to go green. Well, they did have a bit of green on the car when, um, what was it, Mission Winnow, uh, whatever the the vaping brand that Philip Morris is trying to um, flog a couple of years ago before they parted ways with the team. Anyway, um it, no, they're not promoting 4 and 20 meat pies, and 4 and 20 meat pies are absolute garbage as well. Don't go near them if you ever come to Australia. I can take you to numerous bakeries all over the country that do so much better than um, 4 and 20. If you want a mass-produced pie, good quality, I recommend Villies. Villies from South Australia. Nothing like it. 
except you know a freshly baked bakery pie if you go to a bakery so you know hit me up if you if you need some tips on some good bakeries around victoria new south wales and south australia um no it's a tribute livery to the le mans winning 499p um that won le mans this year so you know the only thing that ferrari have won this year you can joke about too so you know hopefully that brings them a bit of luck but it's a big one you know it's always tough you know for ferrari coming to their home grand prix and with the media scrutiny as well um that comes with it you know remember a few years ago it was after monza 2014 i believe it was it was after monza that you know it was announced that, um, or at Monza, it was announced that Luca de Montezemolo was stepping down from his role. So, you know, big, big change that was back in the day. It was like the Pope abdicating almost. You know, it has that kind of weight when it comes to Ferrari. But, you know, Ferrari management now, like not Frederick Vassil, but above him, the board and all that, who really cares? They they have zero presence, yet they still make horrible decisions. Um, you know, and I will always, you know, even though I'm not a Ferrari fan, as you know, I will forever lament the loss of Sergio Marchione because I feel like he knew what he was doing and he was going to take Ferrari as a as a brand and, and a business and, and the race team as well because he was all about the race team. Um, he would have taken them to, to success. But, yeah, you know, benefit of benefit of hindsight and you know still lament the loss of him uh passing away back in 2018 or 2019 now i can't remember anyway so you've got that you've got verstappen looking to break the record as well 10 wins if he can do it um hoping mclaren have a good race and you know they did win back in 2021 so their car does suit this circuit uh lawson another opportunity for him and also on the on the pirelli front uh there was going to be a change in the rules back at imola but then imola got cancelled and then um i think they were able to do it in in budapest where you know they trialed that drivers are mandated to using each compound in each session in the way that q1 has to be hard tire q2 has to be medium and then use the soft tire in q3 so interesting to see how that goes this weekend but mods are qualifying as always chaos because everyone's trying to get the get the toe and they're all waiting behind each other and they all back each other up you know on the on the outlap and it's ridiculous and i hate seeing it but we're gonna probably see it again this weekend because there's nothing in the rules that says that it's not allowed even though they've got a gentleman's agreement apparently but you know do any of them go by it most of the time no and also uh looking forward to see how Williams performed too as well I think it'll be a great track like it was last year um what can Albon do if he qualified fourth at Zandvoort could he even be on the front row could he be in a shout for a podium who knows not really making predictions but you know just putting just putting it out there into the universe putting it out there into the universe um there's also this thing called the Monza curse for which you know for the last um 
a few years, whoever won Monza the year before ends up DNFing in the next race. Going back to 2019, Leclerc won in 2019. He DNFed in 2020. Gasly won in 2020. Uh, Gasly DNFed in 21. Ricardo won in 21, then DNF'd in 22. So um, does it mean because Max won last year, he's going to DNF this year? I don't know. We'll just wait and see. Anyway, let's move it on then to supercars. A uh, lot to talk about with supercars. Um, the Bend Super Sprint, uh, decent, uh, decent racing over the weekend. It was quite momentous or monumental, you got to say, in terms of the, the championship because it was a perfect weekend for Brody Kostecki. Three out of three race wins, uh, two pole positions as well, and left with a 137-point lead over SVG and Brock Feeney behind as well in third. Where's Will Brown, you might ask? Well, he dropped to fourth in the championship, and that was a costly DNF in race 20 on the Saturday not his own, not his fault. He did qualify down in P8, but he was spun by Jack LeBrock um, with uh, Cameron Hill, uh, LeBrock's teammate, and Jack Smith also collateral damage uh, as a result, and Anton Di Pasquale had to take avoiding action as well. Um, and then, yeah, basically the rest of his weekend, you know, he didn't feature on the podium, uh, and, you know, while his teammates won all three races for him it was a bit of a tricky one and um given the news earlier in the week as well uh going into the silly season stuff that will brown will be uh shane van gisbergen's successor at triple eight you know that's huge and i you know in in all the silly season hypothesizing and you know predicting who will go where and whatnot it wasn't until uh, you know, the rumours started coming out about Will Brown potentially being looked at by Red Bull and Pole Racing. Did I was did I think, oh, he might be a chance here? Um, that would that's an interesting choice. You know, in my mind, I had like the likes of Richie Stanaway or you know Cam Waters or you know someone else entirely, but not Will Brown. But it's a choice that makes sense. He's a young, fast talented driver he'll be good with sponsors as well he's got a good image and it makes for an exciting lineup to be honest it makes for a really exciting lineup for triple eight and triple eight are a driver with uh, sorry triple eight are a team with very low uh driver turnover you know so whoever drives them drives them for a while and you know van gisbergen's been there since 2016 and you know he's won his three championships potentially four if he can do it this year um before he goes off to nascar you know brock feeney's probably in it for the long haul as well but you know feeney and and brown that's that's going to be a really strong uh, duo heading into the future and of course they've got Craig Lowndes signed on to do a couple more years as um, a, a, the wild card driver um, the super cheap auto car for, for the Enduros and you know another chance or three more chances for him to potentially um, equal or better Peter Brock's record of uh, Bathurst 1000 wins you know Brocky with nine of course and and Lowndes up there with seven at the moment so you know there's a chance for him but yeah Brown and Feeney can't wait to see how that goes next year I think it'll be really good uh 
and then you know who the driver crashing into him at, at the bend um lebrock off to to fill that seat at erebus alongside kostecki and you know that's that's quite nice as well a bit poetic because lebrock um made his debut in supercars in the Enduros back in 2015 for Erebus, of course, when they were still driving the Mercedes cars and he was alongside Ash Walsh in that, you know, very bright coloured Wendy's car that they had um, back then. But also back when Erebus had an academy and um, they were doing their GT3 program with Mercedes as well. They had the old SLS with the gullwing doors. God, one of my favourite cars, the Mercedes SLS AMG. Um he was one of their GT3 drivers too, so, you know, that's kind of really good to see him go back there, and LeBrock's stocks have gone up quite a bit this year, gotta say, you know, he's been consistently in the top 10 for Matt Stone Racing, he's had the win as well under his belt, uh, and, you know, you know, he's one of those drivers who have excelled in, in Gen 3. So, you know, credit to him. David Reynolds announced that he was leaving Grove Racing and it was confirmed that he would be going to Team 18 uh, alongside Mark Winterbottom. A lot of people have been joking about the... Um, that's becoming a bit of a retirement home is 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 uh, team 18 with two drivers you know near to there if not already in their 40s doesn't really matter though i mean frosty's still got form he's he's he won a race this year um reynolds you know when he's been able to he's been able to get that car on the front row or you know finish on the podium certainly last year you know he did really well there so um I think perhaps, you know, A, not having the faith in the the Mustang, but B, also because Grove didn't offer a a long-term deal to him, which is what he wanted. And instead, they've turned to Richie Stanaway, which I'm really excited about to see Richie come back to the sport and uh, all Kiwi line up as well alongside Matt Payne there at Grove. Um, Walkinshaw and Ready United announced that they're parting ways with Nick Perkat, but nothing on who will be replacing him. It sounds like the Super 2 driver, Ryan Wood, is firming in that. So we'll see, because we did hear from Bruce Stewart, the team principal at Walkinshaw, um, at the bend, saying that you know they hopefully will firm up their plans for 2024 come the Enduros and you know it's only a few weeks away now at Sandown um and of course yeah with with Reynolds off to team 18 Scott Pye is without a seat as well and um you know that's a bit unfortunate for Pye uh Tickford downsizing you know that's that's been a thing being talked about that they might end up downsizing two cars and it's hard to see after the results for Thomas Randall over the, the Bend weekend, three podiums from three races, is also his first solo podium as well. He he did have a podium in the Enduros at the Sandown 500 with Lee Holdsworth back in 2019. Ironically, the last time we had a um, 500k Enduro race at Sandown, pre-pandemic. Um, but yeah, you know, if I was Tickford... Randall and Waters would be my two drivers if they downsized two cars. What does that mean for Declan Fraser? Well, you know, who knows at the moment, but James Courtney isn't thinking about retirement um, and could potentially be off to uh, the Cool Drive team Blanchard Racing to take over from Todd Hazelwood and because they're looking at expanding to two cars, uh, they're looking at their Super 2 driver Aaron Love to to step in um, to 
that as well. So yeah, a lot of things, a lot of moving parts at the moment with with the um, silly season in supercars, and it's going to be a very different grid next year, even though you look at the likes of uh, Dick Johnson Racing, who will have a very similar lineup. Brad Jones Racing as well with their four cars. It's hard to see them making changes. You know, Heimgartner's done a solid job this year. Bryce Fullwood's, you know, really coming into his own there as well and, and feeling the love and support. And, um, you know, the Gen 3 car's more suited to, to him as well. So we'll wait and see. But exciting times ahead because it is the endurance season. I love the Sandown 500. Bathurst 1000, of course. Um, a bit sad, though, that, you know, I'm not going to be able to go to uh, Sandown this year, of course. You know, being very frugal at the moment with spending. And, you know, unfortunately, for a for a, even a Saturday ticket, it's like 70 something bucks for an adult to go there and you know it's like you know that's what I paid for a, a three-day uh you know trackside pass with paddock access to the Bathurst 12 hour and I got to meet Valentina Rossi and all the other amazing international GT drivers and local supercars guys and you know likes of you know Kenny Habul, Brad Schumacher you know who made their names in GT3 racing Anyway, that's that's a gripe for another time. There's a lot of things I'm like, that's another time. It's just so I don't get carried away on a rant here about that. But yeah, exciting time. I'm really happy to see the Sandown 500 back as well. Um, missed it, you know, because it's always, it's for as long as I've been watching supercars and for a lot of fans, it's the, the, the pre-Bathurst race. It's the, the warm-up enduro and, you know, it'll be exciting. They've gotten rid of the... Um, the, the race for the grid or the sprint for the grid uh, qualifying format, it's just going to be like a, you know, qualifying on on Friday and then top 10 or qualifying on Saturday early and then top 10 shootout and then that's your grid for the 500k race and then away you go, you know, endurance season kicks off. So it will be very exciting when that comes up. I think it's on the same weekend as the Singapore Grand Prix. So, be a lot of racing to to look forward to then. Um, and then finally, we got the news that Supercars is returning to New Zealand. And this will make a lot of people happy. It makes me very happy too because, you know, when you look outside Australia, New Zealand is your biggest market for Supercars. When you've got how many drivers on the grid, you've got Van Gisbergen who, you know, is at the top of the sport. He's a reigning champion, three-time champion, and before him, Scott McLaughlin as well. Um, and yes, it was tricky during the pandemic years with, with you know, borders being shut and all that. Um, but the fact that, you know, we only got one year, we only got one year back there, uh, Pukekohe before, you know, that closed down for motorsport activity was was really sad and then missing it this year it's like oh you know but anyway next year we're going to go in there north island again to taupo beautiful lake taupo um but tony quinn's got a circuit there and you know tony quinn knows a thing or two about you know good circuits he's obviously got queensland raceway that he's done up not that you would know as a supercar fan because it's not on the calendar um and that's another big gripe of mine at the moment is um the supercars calendar how you know we should be looking at um moving back up to 15 events a season not the poultry 
uh, 12 events just to satisfy the broadcast arrangement. You know, we've got circuits like Winton and Phillip Island, Queensland Raceway that, you know, are eager, you know, for for racing, you know, the likes of Winton, especially for, you know, regional Victorian fans, you know, people love going there and camping from what I hear for the weekend. So why can't we have that? Um, but you know, that's a, that's a rant for another time. So leave it at that. Um, leave it at that for this episode as well. Um, as a whole, (coughs) thank you for tuning in as always. Be sure to give uh, the podcast follow on X or Twitter, if you're still calling it Twitter, um, at Hit the Apex Media is the handle. There's also a link tree in the descriptions I provide to all my other work, my articles for The Raw. Um, I guest on the, the Grid Talk podcast as well, as you'll all know too. So um, please go give them a follow on all the good podcast platforms and on their social accounts as well. Um, and I'll be back next week to summarize the Italian Grand Prix. So until then, ciao. Have a lovely weekend and uh, enjoy the racing.